in my engines book, there are 25 science projects that are sprinkled through every chapter there that support the learning with hands-on things that you can do at home. Maybe you need an occasional trip to the hardware store, but basically they can be done with items that you find around the house. Welcome to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. I am your host, Carolyn Berry. This podcast is for grandparents on the go with their grandchildren and for parents who want to ensure loving relationships across the generations. I welcome your input and your feedback on every episode of the podcast we produce. Please send me an email at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com or connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Grammy Adventure. Please follow or subscribe to my podcast. It's free so you won't miss an episode and ask your family and friends to do the same. You can subscribe to the monthly newsletter by visiting my website, adventureswithgrammy.com, and clicking the newsletter sign-up link. How does a car move from one place to another? How do cranes lift heavy objects? Readers will learn this and more in Donna McKinney's latest book, Engines with 25 Science Projects for Kids. The book, as of this podcast date, is available for pre-order directly from the publisher, Nomad Press, and booksellers online and in stores. Links are in the show notes. The author, Donna McKinney, has written almost 20 nonfiction books for children on topics ranging from science and technology to history and sports. Before she wrote for children, she wrote about science and technology at the U.S. Naval Research Laboratory in Washington, D.C., Donna was a guest on episode 10 of the podcast and discussed her books about hiking and camping. In today's episode, we discuss her latest book, Being a Grandmother, and I've included a snippet from episode 10 about hiking. Welcome, Donna. Please tell us a bit more about your new book and the other books you've written. And the Engines book comes out mid-October of 2021, but the books before that were written for several different educational publishers, and they would be marketed and sold directly to schools and libraries. It would be possible to buy them on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, but they're really, you know, their main intention is that they're going to land in the schools and on a library shelf. Engine's book is a little bit different. Now, it might be used in the classroom, you know, as a supplemental piece, but it's going to be strongly marketed towards parents, grandparents, for use at home. And um, I'd encourage your listeners to go to the Nomad Press website. That's my publisher, Nomad, N-O-M-A-D. And their website is nomadpress.net. But all of their books are nonfiction books and with activities accompanying the, the book. So Like in my engines book, there are 25 science projects that are sprinkled through every chapter there that support the learning with hands-on things that you can do at home. Maybe you need an occasional trip to the hardware store, but basically they can be done with items that you find around the house and they just help explain like the principles and the things you're trying to to teach about in the book, the children can work on with an adult helper or, you know, depending on their age. It's a very hands-on type book as all the books are that Nomad Press produces. My Engines book might be one, but they have many other choices on all kinds of nonfiction topics that your listeners might want to take a look at. I'm impressed with the activities. I read about the catapult in chapter one. 
It just requires a wooden spoon and a paper towel roll, and it's easy, fun, and teaches an important science lesson. Right. And that's what I was trying to do. That's what they want their authors to be doing with the projects, that it is something fairly simple that parents, grandparents, uh, kids, you know, working on together at home would, would be able to replicate the project and learn from it and so forth. I actually tested them. Most of the projects in the book with my own grandchildren, I, I have I have four, but I tested them with the eight-year-old and the five-year-old. So they were my uh, guinea pigs to practice on some of these projects before they actually went into the book in final form. I think the listeners will be fascinated with how you use popcorn to represent a cotton gin. We might not think of the cotton gin so much as being an engine in the same way like we think of car engines and big powerful things today. But that's really a, a, the cotton gin was, and that word gin comes from the word engine. It was the cotton engine, and that changed how cotton was harvested and processed and brought to market in the United States during that era. And so the little project that I give there is just kind of a simple working model of what cotton gin looked like and how it worked that you could try at home easily. Yeah, it takes like a, a cardboard shoebox, a paper towel roll, and some cotton balls, and then unpopped popcorn are your main things, toothpicks and masking tape, things like that. But all of those things would be things you might have around the home, and you could build a little working model of a cotton gin to see how that worked. Another experiment that caught my eye was the craft stick catapult. I immediately thought of an activity that takes place, or at least used to take place, either in New Jersey or Delaware, called pumpkin chunkin. This was an event where after Halloween, people would bring their pumpkins and they would have engineered and built these gigantic catapults. And these industrial sized catapults would launch these pumpkins into the air and the winner was the one who went the furthest distance. So I chuckled when I saw the catapult. That would be a fun outdoor activity. Uh, mine's a little bit smaller scale, so you'll just be launching a cotton ball <laughs> or a marshmallow in my, not quite as large scale as the pumpkin, but I think the pumpkin be pumpkin uh, catapult would be a lot of fun. My husband and I always have enjoyed watching it on television. We were going to go see it in person, but I think the event has stopped. You write about cephalopods in that same chapter, squid and octopuses and jet propulsion. And you say that these marine animals actually use that to propel themselves through the water. I was really surprised by that. Usually we think about engines being something that we build as humans, but there are also times where we see in nature examples of the way an engine works. And that's just one of them, that when we see the way the octopus takes the water inside the body and then jets it out and that's a way of moving it is just one of those good examples of the way we can see how engines some of the principles for the way engines work by observing nature around us. I know that's how octopuses move but it just never occurred to me that it was actually jet propulsion. I find your research fascinating and never thought about steam engines being around in the year 1070. I thought it was a more modern invention. The Greek inventors and the Greeks gave us so many wonderful things. 
as far as their inventions and their science and so forth, technology was pretty amazing. But yeah, the earliest, I guess, steam engines date all the way back to that time. And it was this simple little device that involved water and a sphere. And by the steam coming at heating it up and then the steam coming out of it, it was just a very simple working engine. So we have some pretty detailed and incredible technology today, but it's all based on the foundation of some things that were done just like generations and generations ago, some of it. I would love for you to share some of the other inventions that are in the book. There are different chapters in the book on different kinds of motors and engines like clockwork motors, heat engines, electric motors, pneumatic motors, hydraulic motors. Those are the different chapters in the book. But some of the different kind of projects that you find sprinkled across those chapters would be like a milk carton conveyor belt, a magnet powered car, a balloon rocket engine. And there's even one that's kind of like a magic trick where you use a glass and water and a piece of cardboard. And it's a demonstration of how air pressure works. Those are some of the other projects that are found in the book. I can't imagine any child not being fascinated with the experiments in this book. If they're just the least bit curious about how things work, this is the book for them. The other thing you write about is the technology of QR codes. The QR codes that are in the book take the reader to a website where the reader can access more in-depth information. Yeah, some different kind of supplemental uh, pieces that are developed by the publisher. Just an additional way, an additional layer of opportunity for learning there using those codes, and they can tap into some other resources that just kind of enrich the book even more. Kids today are so technologically savvy that I think having those codes in there are going to be something that they latch onto and will like kind of this extra layer of learning that's possible there. This particular QR code takes the reader to a video about siege machines and talks about the trebuchet and some others. That one I remember is like a video where they're just building this thing and then launching it, kind of like your pumpkin launcher. Let's talk a bit about your family. I know you have grandchildren and you retired from your job and moved to North Carolina. Soon after my husband died, I'm kind of like, what do I do now? And one of the girl who lived here in Raleigh said, well, move here and live near us. Well, I can't do that. And she's like, well, why couldn't you? And so that was how that came to be. They said, come here. And then the other daughter who did not live in this area, they were in Germany because she was married to an army officer. He came out of the army and they came here too. So I've got everybody here I need, Carolyn. I'm very, very happy. I have four grandchildren ranging in age from eight years old to 10 months old. And some of the activities we like to do are the things that I do with them are the things that as an adult, I enjoy myself. And that just seems to be the most natural way for me to kind of spend time with them. And so I will never be the grandmother who teaches them to bake pies because I'm not a grandmother who 
bakes pies. But this past summer, I taught the three oldest ones how to fish. I took them fishing regularly, and that was a good outdoor activity, especially with COVID. So we spent a lot of time at the ponds with fishing rod and a wor- and worms and catching some little fish, and we admired them, and then we released them to live their happy lives in the pond. But also with little dip nets and hunting for minnows and so forth, we catch minnows, and they keep them in a the bucket for a little while and watch the minnows, and then we'd let them go. But there's a lot to do and a lot to look at and a lot to learn around a pond. There's all kind of interesting life there. So I do a lot outdoors with them. Another thing that I've done a lot, and I am have no claim to be an expert gardener, but I do like working outside in my yard. The two older ones, the eight-year-old and the five-year-old, spend a lot of time with me just outdoors, taught them how to do some like simple pruning and digging and planting and that sort of thing. So we have a lot of fun outdoors doing gardening yard work together. Another thing, we do go to the public library a lot, and I realize libraries have been somewhat shut down because of COVID, but here in our area, they are opened on a kind of careful, limited basis. So we make regular trips to the library and spend time choosing books and then reading those books at home and going back and picking out some new ones. There's another thing that I do with them. I play a sport called pickleball, which is pretty popular here in this area. And I think some other parts of the country too. It looks like a combination between tennis and ping pong. You play it on a court that is like a tennis court, but a little bit smaller. But I've bought paddles and um, balls and for the grandchildren and I get them outdoors and we hit, we hit the pickleball back and forth. Uh, We do that a lot. So I've just looked for ways to incorporate my activities into their activities. It's things I enjoy. It's things they enjoy. And an awful lot of it is outdoors because I think that's a good place to be for children. Do you have granddaughters, grandsons, or both? So the oldest is a girl and then the three, so the eight-year-old is a girl and then the boys are five years old, two years old, and 10 months old. So I've got one girl and and three boys in the mix. I have six grandchildren. The boys are nine, eight, seven, and six. And the girls are four years and about 19 months. Just like stair steps. Literally. (laughs) For myself, uh, my husband and I, we had two daughters. And so I, I thought I was an expert on raising girls and then grandsons came along and oh my goodness, boys are like a whole new ball game in a wonderful way. So I've had to figure out as a grandmother, I had, have had to learn some things and learn some ways of playing and activities and so forth, maybe a little bit differently than what I did in raising my own children, but it's been wonderful and I wouldn't trade it for anything. What is your grandmother name? Nana. N-A-N-A, Nana, yes. Oh, that's sweet. I love being a grandmother. I remember before I had a grandchild, people would say to me, you don't know what love is until you've held that first grandchild. And I was always a little perplexed by that because I loved being a mom. I loved my children. I just could not imagine loving grandchildren more than I love my own children. Just as when my second child was born, I found my heart just grew so much more. And that's the way it is with the grandchildren. The love just expands and it's a different kind of love. And it's almost indescribable. I really don't have 
the right words to describe how I feel about it, but it's just an extra layer, an extra dimension, an extra depth of love that goes beyond my love for my children. And I often find myself saying the same thing to new grandmothers, and it's just welcome to the grandparents club. It's a wonderful place to be. I think that, like, I loved being a mom, too, and I had wonderful relationships with my girls. But I wonder if, too, you know, I worked a job during that time, and I was also a mom and active in church and those sorts of activities. And now, like, those pressure, the job pressure is gone. And so I wonder if I haven't just slowed down a little bit more and can enjoy this time as a grandmother in ways that I did not enjoy as a mother as much. And plus that immediate responsibility, it's not my immediate responsibility to get them into bed every night or to make sure they brush their teeth every morning. I just get to enjoy them. And it is an amazing gift and a blessing to have time with them for sure. Tell our listeners about your hiking the North Carolina State Parks. With a friend of mine, she's a woman about my age. Both of us are widows, and we we do a lot of walking around this area together. But one day she said, we should hike the North Carolina State Parks. There are 41 parks, and there's like this little program in our state, probably a lot of states have it where you get a stamp from a ranger at yes. every park and uh-huh. you, get, you get some prizes. Okay, we in an 18-month period, we hiked all 41 parks in the state of North Carolina. So I am an outdoor person in that way. So I've done a lot of hiking in North Carolina. The state, the state parks are in the Western Mountains all the way across the state. And they're actually beach parks. All the 41 parks were the parks with the waterfalls. Those are my favorite thing, Carolyn. So we have that in common too. I love waterfalls. The next segment of this episode is actually a rebroadcast of just a portion of episode 10, where Donna McKinney talks about hiking the state parks in North Carolina. I am impressed that you have hiked all of the state parks in the state of North Carolina. That is quite an accomplishment. How do you feel about that? So not to brag, but I feel really, really proud about it. My hiking partner, her name is Teresa, and she's right around the same age I am, which is early 60s. And so, and she's lived in North Carolina all of her life. Her husband passed away just a few years ago too. So we had kind of some similar things going on and we had become friends and we'd go out to eat. And sometimes we would go out and take a walk around, you know, just at a local park, walk around the pond. And then one day she said to me, they have this program, like a little passport book. You go out and hike the North Carolina parks. And I'm sure there are other states who have similar project, you know, similar type programs. But she goes, you go out and hike the state parks and you get a stamp from the ranger at each park. And it's just kind of a fun thing to do. She goes, we should do that. Oh, that sounds like fun. And I had no idea, like there are 41 parks, you know, I I had no clue. I'm just like, oh yeah, that sounds like fun. So we started doing it because there are a few right here in the Raleigh area, the central part of the state. It's very easy. I mean, we could go there for a couple hours, hike one, get a ranger stamp and, and be done with it. As time went by, it kind of became more and more important in my mind that we kind of reach this goal and get this done. It took us all together 
about a year and a half altogether from the day we hiked the first one until we hiked the last park. And there's a lot of driving, crisscrossing the state, literally thousands of miles. Uh, by the time we had finished doing it, to me, it's really one of the things in my life, I would say that I'm pretty proud of, that we can say we did all the parks in North Carolina. And it was just amazing to see there are parks that are actually at the beach like on the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. And there are parks. Mount Mitchell is one of the Western parks in North Carolina. That is the highest point east of the Mississippi. So we stood atop Mount Mitchell one day in June, one cool day in July, cool because we were up at that elevation. But yeah, so it was amazing to see all of the state in that way and to get out and hike, be outdoors, do that kind of thing. It was just a lot, a lot of fun. Long answer to your question. I am very proud that we have done that. Yes. I'm impressed that you did it in 18 months. I would have thought that would have taken at least two to three years to do. Some of the trips where we would go out and the parks were close enough together that we might do you know, we might go out for three days and we would get to do two or three parks. So we could knock them off in little batches like that. Once we kind of hit our stride and realize, yeah, this is something we really want to do to get to the end of hiking all of them. I mean, we were really pressing as far as just making the plans and let's go do this. Both of us are retired, but both of us are grandmothers with grandchildren, like caretaking responsibilities. So we had to work around that. But yeah, we worked hard to get it done in 18 months, and we finished in November of 2019. And by February, March of 2020, COVID was here, and you know, travel got so shut down. And we have said to each other so many times, we are so glad we got that done, just because of the long road trips we needed to make with the hikes before COVID hit, because that probably would have sidelined us and we might not still be done if we hadn't finished it before that happened. Did you take any of your grandchildren with you or have you taken your grandchildren hiking? We did not take them when we were doing the state parks. It would be easy for me to do that. I have hiked some locally here with uh, an eight-year-old granddaughter and a five-year-old grandson. We, just this week, because we've had some temperatures that have been pretty mild for February, and we have been out in the woods on two different days where we hiked a little short trail just around a pond, letting them lead the way and just look and explore and do that sort of thing. So I do hiking with them um, here locally, things that are very easy access to get to and, and close to home. My younger son and his family, which includes a wife and four children ages one to nine, and I went to the mountains a while back for the purpose of skateboarding. But one of the things that I wanted to do was to see some of the waterfalls. But unfortunately, the weather was not cooperative. And Skyline Drive, which is where the waterfalls were that we wanted to see, was closed. We've decided we will go back and tackle hiking and seeing waterfalls another time. But did you see waterfalls as you were on your hikes? Yes. So I would say that waterfalls are kind of my favorite nature feature as far as being out in the woods (laughs) and hiking. In North Carolina, the state parks that are at the beach, I mean, those are really amazing too. It's neat that we have state parks that are on the Atlantic Ocean. But my very favorite thing is to be in the mountains and where there are waterfalls. And there are some really pretty waterfalls in North Carolina. I don't know. There's just something about that, that water coming over the rocks like that. But I think it's very cool. So, yes, 
waterfalls are a favorite? We have a Facebook group in Virginia called Exploring Virginia. And then there's another group about waterfalls in Virginia. And every time someone posts a picture or I look at those sites, I'm just mesmerized by the absolute gorgeous scenery, the beauty of the waterfalls, just the majesty of it. That is something that I really want to do. So I'm, I'm eager to go back to the mountains and explore those. Springtime's a good time for a trip. So maybe you can get back up into the Shenandoah sometime this spring and see the waterfalls. That would be nice. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest, or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com.